Hi, Kevin Murphy here. You're listening to Conversations with Kevin, a show about innovation, creativity, product and purpose. It contains all the ingredients that make up what Kevin Murphy is and what we stand for. So I'm Kevin Murphy and this is Conversations with Kevin. Hi, I'm Nathan Gorman, Headmaster for Kevin Murphy, and this is Conversations with Kevin. As you know, I'm a salon owner and I wanted to reach out to some other Kevin Murphy salon owners in our network. So today I have Amy Lang from Canada at Ponytails and Horseshoe Salon. Hi. Hi, Amy. And we have the incomparable Natalie Morgan from Nova Hair Collective in Austin, Texas. Hi, Natalie. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. And it needs to be said that you guys also work for Kevin Murphy. Amy, what do you do with Kevin Murphy? I'm a diamond key for Kevin Murphy. I've been with a brand for over 10 years now and I do styling and cutting. Right. And Natalie, what about you? Well, at this phase in my career with Kevin Murphy, I am also a diamond key as uh, focusing on styling and cutting. Great. Okay, so I, I'd like to get you to outline a little bit about your salons for the listeners. So what do you think they need to know about your salon, how many staff you have? Um, let's start with uh, you, Natalie. So Nova Hair Collective, we have been in business a little over two and a half years. Um, I now presently, including myself, have four staff members. We're a commission salon. Um and yeah, so we've, we really are just starting to get the, the rubber on the road, the traction going right before uh, having to, you know, have a, a stay at home order put in place. Mm, okay. And what um, about you, Amy? And Horseshoes, I have had it for 11 years now and I have 18 staff, um, some of the best people I know, and it was the most heartbreaking day of my life to lay them all off. Yes. Okay. So I didn't really mention, obviously, we're all chatting because of COVID-19 and how it's affected all of our businesses. I actually have a salon in Sydney called Head Over Heels. I have 17 staff. I have a mixture, mainly employed people, but also commission-based as well. And we really, uh, you know, wanted to get together today and have a chat about how that all felt. Now, Natalie, I know that I saw on your social media today that you sat in your salon and cried. I'm sorry to throw you under a bus today in this, but can you can you outline that and the the range of emotions that you're actually going through at the time? Sure. Um, Just like all of us, we saw this happening, you know, in China and it felt really far away. And then as it crept across and it hit uh, Italy, and our sweet dear friend Massimo Morello, you know, being in Italy and them shutting down. And about the week before the salon um, that I chose to close the doors, I reached out to Massimo and I clearly remember him saying, you have to stay away from people. And mm. me thinking, there's no way, that's just not, po- how, 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 mm. that's not possible. And then it wasn't more than, it was less than a week later that I had to make the independent choice to um, shut the salon doors, um, which was probably one of the more stressful weeks as a business owner for me because I came to that point where I knew I needed to just, I needed to give myself a day that was going to, I was going to close. There was no um, real help coming at us from our representatives. You know, everybody was just kind of at a scramble. So Um, let me jump in here. So it was a voluntary closure. Correct. So I closed and then it was probably, I would say maybe five days later that the salon or that the city of Austin, um, not our, not our um, state government, but our city government um, said, we're going to put a uh, shelter in place or a stay at home order mm-hmm. into effect. And that's, uh, so we had closed our doors independently prior to that. Um which at the last couple of days of being in the shop, it was one of those moments where it was like, I knew I needed to wrap things up and I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I just felt like the more I was around people, the more I was potentially exposing them, the more that I was exposing the employees, the more that I was exposed. Mm. And so there was a lot of real stress. I mean, I, I actually was getting 
chest pains mm. from that, you know, because it, and I was uh, taking my blood pressure because it was it, even though I, I was really trying to keep a very level head, my body was really, you know, responding to that. Um, and so that first week was really tough because, again, we're we're not getting any real direction from our representatives and hairdressers in the industry felt like, you know, we were kind of being forgotten on that mm. end. Um, and so similar, we making, it's, it's a similar yeah. story here, Natalie, and I, I really yeah. like to hear that. But you, there's a few things that you actually said that we could unpack. But before we do, I'd like to actually hear Amy's shutdown story sure. and then we can go through everything together. Um, it's actually a very similar story to Natalie's. Nat and I, I think we closed on the same day. Um, it wasn't possibly... Yeah, I think it was the same day that we ended up closing, but it was uh, a voluntary shutdown as well because the province had issued a state of emergency. So it was just a matter of time. You knew it was coming. So I think it was six days after that all non-essential businesses were to be closed. But again, it became that social responsibility that you knew it was really, really irresponsible and, and almost downright disrespectful to remain open when it was, it was starting to happen. Mm. So luckily for me and the staff, like everybody did understand and everybody's been great and gracious and kind about it. But much like Natalie and probably much like your situation, Nathan, that there was no guidance. It was mm. not, the, there were no, what happens next? What do we do? And we, we, we still don't have that. I mean, just for our listeners, I'll outline my shutdown was also very similar. Uh, I was desperately waiting for a mandated shutdown because I have like 17 staff and I needed to get access to the government stimulus packages, they call it in the Australian government, um, to be able to shut down. But I will tell you too that it was, yes, it was um, health and safety of my community um, salons are a snapshot of the community that they're actually in and representative of that. And, and like you were both saying, I, I would just, I couldn't deal with myself if someone contracted it in the early days there. But I'll tell you a secret. It was also one of the biggest reasons I decided to man to close voluntarily was because I had enough money to pay the staff for one month and that's it one single month and I thought I need to do that because I have essentially frozen the business and bought myself one month to deal with all of this and that's exactly what happened happened with that you know so 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 tell me Natalie when you actually what did you do did you have a meeting I, I think you call it furloughed in America or stood down or what what happens when you operate a rent-a-chair salon in the US so so we're a commission business and so they are employees and um and you know again we all know this was happening so quickly and i i kept thinking to myself okay look i'm looking at the money i had been saving for emergencies you know i knew i had some cash flow um and then okay how am i going to handle this how much could i pay them are we going to be out for two weeks are we going to be out for a month mm. you know and then just looking at what was happening at the countries that had already been affected it was like no this is going to be so much longer than that and so much longer than that and I kept thinking, I don't have the cash flow to pay mm. and to keep and to keep the shop open mm -hmm. for the amount of time that I assumed it was going to take. And again, at this point, we aren't even hearing about stimulus from our countries. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're we're not even at that point yet. And and so thinking about that, and then I went to sleep on it, and I woke up, and I thought, that's right, they're employees. Mm. The worst case scenario is you can lay them off. And yeah. I actually had relief in that, even though at that moment, too, I knew that it was going to financially hurt me a lot to lay them off because of the penalties that could come from that. But I couldn't worry about that. And I also knew that I can't, I can't, I, it was just my only option. Yes. And so I went back to work and I said, guys, look, this could, this could really go on for some time. And and we're going to do what we have to do. Did they you know, want to work, Natalie? I mean, no, my, my no. staff was point, scared. Weren't yours, Amy? At oh, that they were point, terrified. Absolutely yeah. terrified. At, at that point, this is like early stages. And we were just like, okay, wh what are we going to, what's going to happen? I said, hey, guys, worst, worst case scenario, I may have to lay you off. Hmm. It sounds like we're going to shut down for a couple of weeks. Hopefully we can get back to work. But if this goes on from that, 
I'm, we'll have to do a layoff. And it was not more than three days later, we started knowing more of the severity and the more that they were like, wow, yeah, we're probably going to have to take a layoff, you know? So by the time we actually got to the end of that week to close the salon, they had already prepared themselves for that. And then the government was already starting to talk about, you know, stimulus relief and, you know, all of those things. So, Mm. um, so they've been, now um officially laid off for about a week and a half great um and this all feels like it's months and months and months and we're talking a couple of weeks now i mean oh, it's I think- just unbelievable <laughs> march was the longest month it feels like it lasted <laughs> for 17 years i really feel so amy what about you you're like me you have a fairly big team i assume you have a mixture of commission-based and and salaried employees or uh, can yep. you outline what that process was like for you briefly? Um, I think because I was anticipating it would would be longer, like we were hoping to be reopened by April, but Canada makes it very, very easy to lay people off temporarily, mm-hmm. even if it's like a week or two a month, just as from shortage of work. So we closed the salon on Tuesday night and I laid them off on Wednesday morning. Yeah. Okay. Same kind of thing. And were your team, were they actually at a point of not feeling safe and... Oh, yeah. No, they did not. I was getting phone calls and people coming in and not wanting to be there. And, and you know, much like you were saying, Natalie, the chest pains, that, oh, that manifestation of that psychosomatic of just the fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the fear. But I mean, like Natalie said, I, I actually, once I had handed out the forms and everyone had signed them, I, I felt um, relieved because I knew they'd be all right from that point. And that I, that enabled me to turn my focus to what eventually will be the reopen, don't you think? Exactly. I exactly agree. Yeah. So before we, we I, I'd like to take this into a more positive area, but um, and and you know, notwithstanding, we have different kind of politics around the world and different ways and 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 that. But what do you guys get in terms of commercial rent relief? <laughs> Nothing. No. <laughs> No, that's been um, a big issue here in Canada that there is no formal commercial rent relief. So I have had so many friends drain their bank accounts and put stop payments. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. I have a landlord that was willing to negotiate and he would rather have a tenant in a few months than an empty building. But I don't think there's not been much support. And what kind of relief did he give you then? Um, so right now I'm just responsible for covering like, uh, the maintenance and a uh, portion of the, uh, the property taxes. Oh, that's great. What about you, yeah. Natalie? Um, I have been very blessed that my landlords have been so supportive. Um, the last for April, um, they gave me a 50% reduction in rent, Um, and then as we approach May, we're going to have a conversation. So, um, my approach is going to be to ask them if I can just pay the mortgage versus the rent, which I believe is probably half of what I'm paying Mm. and then have the additional tacked on to the end of my lease Mm. so that I can pay that out. But I'm also supposed to be renegotiating my lease for next year in June. So I feel like that also gives me an opportunity with them to really sit down and say, okay, like if this, it, it's a kind of a good feeling in the sense of if this were to really go the wrong direction, I'm up in October, you know, but at the same time, I really want this to be the long, the long game. And I do want to re-sign my lease and I do want my business to thrive and to be there for many years. So I, I think that they will definitely work with me, but the city has, um, the city of Austin um, has a 90-day, I think you have to wait 90 days now before you can start any type of evictions. So there's a 30-day window in which rent can be paid. But, you know, I just want to stay on top of things the best mm. that I can. I agree with that. Like in Australia, um, they've made it illegal to evict someone in the six-month period. All yeah. of our yeah. stimulus and everything seems to be pitched towards six months, which leads me to believe that, you know, that's that's going down the path and then that's coming back up into renewal. Um, I haven't actually negotiated with my landlord yet in true Nathan style. I just stopped paying rent. 
Um, <laughs> but he must come to the party um, and we must make an agreement. But I'm also quite conscious of, of the fact that in life, um, you know, nothing is for free. So I'll end up paying in one form or another. So, yep. you know, I'll, I'll negotiate something that's that's good for us. Yeah. I, I hope to negotiate a lease, and, and this is a good idea for listeners, I hope to negotiate a lease that's actually linked to my um, turnover coming out of this and that's kind of where I plan. And I need to say, I'm, I'm not being negligent. I've been in the same building for 20 years. So I have a pretty yeah. good relationship with the exactly. with mm-hmm. the actual guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about like, you know, I, I, I've got to tell you the truth. My business had no debt, um, but I didn't have a lot of cash at hand. And that's one of the reasons I decided to shut for that, to shut immediately because I knew that I could afford to pay all the staff their entitlements for a month until the government reimbursed me. Um, Mm -hmm. I made a commitment to myself about a financial survival plan and that although I'm good with money in my personal life, I'll never be caught short of cash in my professional life and in my salon again to that way. I I would like to think that... (laughs) God forbid, if another pandemic came along, you know, you'd have three or six months worth of kind of um, resources behind you to, to to survive that. Have you have you both got any thoughts on that? We might start with you, Amy. Oh, Nathan, I could not agree more. Like I, mm. I, I think we all have a tendency. To, it's like if business is good, and we are in a feel good industry, and we've got these great salons, so there was never any question about the money coming in. But now, like you said, I want to plan for a good six months out. Like, what if something happens? I've never thought mm. this far ahead before. <laughs> so that's yeah, true. I, very strict budgets. I feel like I've been very frivolous over the past eleven years now. <laughs> Well, I mean, you raise a case in point. We didn't actually think the money would ever stop coming in. It's not that we were decadent no. or anything, but we just, no. um, you know, this this kind of constant growth to survive. I actually want to, I always say um, having a salon's a bit like running a social estate. You're actually doing it for the staff as much as anything. But I'm oh, actually yeah. going to take that one step further and actually make sure that I have the resources I need in the future. What about you, Natalie? Same. I I was pretty much in the same position as you with my salon coming up on its third year. I had paid off all of the debt of opening costs for my business. So I was in a debt-free position and I had um, about, I've got, with negotiation, I think I could get maybe five months of rent taken care of. Yeah. Um, so I had a financial padding there, but I've purposely been saving. And because I, I one, I just want to be able to have that flexibility that if I wanted to travel or if I wanted to go somewhere that I still had a contribution to the salon. But I'm so grateful that I did because it's, it's really the only thing that allows me to go to sleep at night and not completely have a ulcers, just knowing that I had a little bit of money in the bank. Mm. And and definitely, I mean, I know that when I come back into the salon, I'm just going to have to pay myself a very, very modest salary, nowhere near what I earn, just mm. to pay down some of this debt that's accruing now, probably for the rest of the year, because I'm, I'm at that point terrified. I've, I'm at the point where I know that when I come back into the business, I'm going to have debt that needs to be paid. But also, I need to be, again, contributing to that padding for in mm. case something comes around the corner, you know? Mm. So it's a, it's a really scary kind of place to be right now. I was okay. actually thinking, you know, just I think that we kind of view our salons as one collective pot and the money comes in through the, you know, um, I, I was actually thinking that I might start to put aside for a rainy day based on retail, um, yeah. And actually mm-hmm. look at those figures and actually say, well, no, the retail money, the, the money that I get from selling products to my clients doesn't actually go through the salon in the same way. That yeah. goes a bit to the side and that becomes a separate business. So to actually look at my retail business. Um, oh, interesting. I yeah, like that. Something like that. One of the tricks that I've been doing is, 
you know, because we're not a huge cash business, but when I do have cash deposits, I deposit them directly into the savings account. I don't inject those into the cash flow. Mm -hmm. So I've always been, I've done that nearly for three years now. So that's, that's what's helped me create that padding is about every three months I've I inject some cash into savings. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really helpful too. Mm. And so uh, another thing, like our teams are all out there and, and, you know, we're conscious of things like their mental health. And, um, you know, I don't know if you saw Janine's Facebook live, Janine Simons from New Zealand, our colour master. She did a, a Facebook live recently. You can catch the recording. And it was based on how to communicate with your team how to actually keep your team engaged during this time when they're actually in isolation. And she had some really good tips on that, but I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. And we might start with you, Amy. Um, I have been reaching out. So I do weekly emails with like little motivational things, maybe links to yoga practices or something. And we have now team meetings every Friday on Zoom. I have been doing individual one-on-one conversations. So I've not, I've not joined us all back up as a, as a team yet. Um, but I have been doing one-on-one phone calls with everybody. Which is great. That's great, Matt, because they need to feel safe and they need to feel supported. Yeah, it's a, such a small team that, you know, and sometimes it is just a little easier. I mean, it's such a highly emotionally charged thing right now. Mm-hmm. And everyone's in just such different places. And with we're a few weeks in, you know, like, yeah. like I said, it feels like an eternity, but we're a few weeks in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, the resources that, you know, a brand like Kevin Murphy is giving us and giving our uh, staff the ability to train and to grow in this time, I, I think that that's absolutely wonderful. But I think that you actually have to look at their mental health and get to them to a point where they're actually prepared to grow again. And at the moment, um, I think for the first week, they were just kind of coping and confused and, and dealing with isolation and and I think Amy you said it's easy to retreat into isolation but how do you think we can help the staff get out of that kind of isolated mindset? Well that is the question now isn't it Nathan like how to engage them and I think that's what I'm just I feel like I'm trying just about anything right now where it's Mm. um, the house party app or individual phone calls or like the zoom meetings just to get them out of their routines and engage connect again. Cause that's what we do is we connect with people. So having them feel connected again. That's right. And I feel like, I mean, are you missing doing hair yet? Both? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like, I, um, I think business is such the core of my career with this. The craftsmanship of this came later in my industry career. And so for me, like my, the first thing I did was put down the scissors and immediately shift into like triage business owner, you know, and, and I'm just now, I think three weeks later, able to really take a deep breath and refocus in a more creative way. Cause I feel like I just had to take that hat off for a little bit. Um, so now I'm starting to be like, oh, wow, there's so much good content out there. I need to, you know, check out some of these haircuts and these foiling techniques and balayot. I mean, there's so, I think one thing that this has definitely done for our industry is there's so much content online now, like well beyond anything we've ever had access to. And so I just need to go back and bookmark all of the things that I've missed. I've been doing yeah, absolutely. the same. <laughs> absolutely. I think that's a really important point. I, I think that actually, you know what? It's a bit like saying when you win the lotto, oh, it won't change me. I mean, this pandemic is going to change me in so many ways. Oh, yeah. And it's actually going to change our business. And, and Natalie, I must say my knee-jerk reaction is to become a bit more like you in this time um, and, and actually pull back. I don't know if I'll ever go back to doing clients in the way that I was doing them. You know, I'm quite famous for travelling and then I come back and do a million clients and then it's like, and I felt like I was trapped in a bit of a loop and I always went, oh, well, you know, when I have the time to sit and think about this, I'll change it. <laughs> well, that's what happened. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. so what about 
about you, Amy? What's your response to that? Because, I mean, you, you've been very nonchalant, but managing a team of 17 is not to be sniffed at. It's actually yeah. quite a, a big achievement. <laughs> Um, well, I've been very, very lucky that I've only probably for the past six years been doing hair two days a week. So I could be there to manage and coach the team and just be there for their mentorship. And even if they just need a hug, but as of now, I see myself still doing the two days a week, but I know that they are going to need a whole lot more. I coming through to the other side of this. Do you guys feel the same way? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think business will ever look the same again. No. I, I, no. I I actually have a, a bit of a I've been doing a little bit of work on brands and and you know guys we love Kevin Murphy and one of the reasons we love a brand like Kevin Murphy and I said this to Kevin the other day is Kevin when all this is over you're on the right side of history with ocean waste plastic with oh, yeah. all the initiatives yep. that we've done we are on the right side of history because I truly believe that it won't be that consumers will look for brands that have the same values after this moment I think they'll return to the brands that have the same values Absolutely. I think I think that in the simplification of our life um we, we actually will cut through the clutter of having to have all this stuff and having to have all these different brands and, and things like that. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to actually, you know, shift this, shift a gear here and go into, tell me some of the things that, you know, as I said, I made a joke about, well, I used to think, well, when I had the time, I would change these things. Well, tell me what you are going to change during this time as leaders in your, in your salon. I think for me, sorry, Nat, if I jumped on you there, um, just it's, it, I feel like simplifying everything, just mm. getting, getting rid of all the clutter in the space and emotionally um, finding a way to connect clearly with the staff, with our clients, getting that message out too. Um, I find myself thinking more and more about our culture and the people that we attract and how like attracts like. So how do we just keep growing with that? Mm, yeah. And what about you, Nat? Absolutely. I agree with Amy. Um, because my salon is so young, I feel like I've, I've had that opportunity to really like make some of those choices immediately going into business. And one thing that we did was we didn't hire anyone at the front desk. And we've been a very virtual kind of salon that way. And I've been looking for that time to really delve into the ins and outs of my booking program. Um, and now this has really afforded me that time to do that. Um, and I've also been, um, so now I'm, we're working on our, on our app. Well, so, uh, I'm going to jump in yeah. over the top of you there. And I'm going to say that I had this conversation with a staff member of mine, Dean, yesterday. And I and and God love you, Neil. If you ever listen to this podcast, I adore you. You are the most amazing man with my clientele. You create. You are the host. You keep things together. When I travel at Head Over Heels, you are amazing. But you are not data entry. And in in this time, I've found myself caught a bit short by the management of my database um, and, you know, as it pertains directly to communicating with clients. And also I have a bit of a clunky kind of system um, that I was sending out, you know, text messages and it was breaking it down. However, the program was breaking it down into four text messages. So clients oh were getting four <laughs> text messages to say, due to COVID-19, head over heels is shut at this time. I will never be caught with my pants down in my database ever again in my entire life. Well, I want to put a plug out because I have been using uh, Forest Salon software and they're out of the UK. They're out of Ireland and they're an amazing uh, software system. And in this crisis, it, it took a while for a lot of my brand partners to really reach out. But prior to us even shutting down, they were so on top of it mm. with like email templates and ways to connect with the clients mm. and like phone calls to us directly. What oh, can wow. we do for you? What can we do for you? And I have been so touched by the amount of support that they have given us. And, um, and so, but this has allowed me that time to get with them more and to start building the app for our salon. 
So by the time we get closer to reopening, we'll have our own Nova Hair Collective app mm. and people will be able to manage their bookings. You know, obviously I'm, I'm a big firm believer in re rebooking clients. I don't like them to leave the salon no, but without people having... like to book online now too. Absolutely. And they like to, they yeah. Absolutely. And this just allows us a more contact in their pocket. So I can do alerts. I can do, um, uh, you know, different offerings, you know, of sales or, you know, um, events mm. and, and all that information will be right in their pocket. Right and in the Natalie, there. hold that thought for a moment because we'll sure. hear from Amy about what she's doing with her point of sale system. And then I'd like to have a slightly bigger conversation about that. I think right now I am actually reevaluating our point of sale system because much like yours, Nathan, it is a bit clunky. It's um, it's, it's not hairdresser friendly. So it was like made by a bunch of school age children that duct taped it together. So there, there does yeah. have to be better options. But I mean, the information is there. It does integrate well with other systems. Um, I'm fortunate because I was the one who opened the salon. I actually know my way, way around it pretty well. But I think it is time to start to shift in something a bit more user friendly. Mm, yeah, I think so. And I think that like as hairdressers, we're creatives and we have fun. But actually, uh, database management um, is really important. And in this time, because if I was to say to both of you that I would like you to think of ponytails and horseshoes and Nova Hair Collective as virtual salons in this time, that's exactly what they are. What would you say to that? Yeah, you're 100% right, Nathan. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what it is right now. So, and, and as you answer, for our listeners, actually outline some of the communication styles that you're actually using to stay connected to your clients in this time. Uh, definitely email. Email was the first line of defense for, for us, you know. Um, and uh, Instagram is massive. Mm. Um, I have the ability to text via the salon software. So it doesn't even have to come through my personal account. I can send really, um, I can send messages to a very um, targeted group of people with different forms of communication through the software. So, but mostly touching base with them, email, Instagram, and direct phone call has been the, the biggest, um, the biggest yeah. of communication. What about for you, Amy? Yeah, I'm kind of the same as Nat. Um, more actually phone calls. I'm a big um, fan of actually calling people personally. So um, yeah, we've been calling people directly to cancel, move their appointments later down the road. And mm. I've we've started doing like a product delivery service. So putting like little hearts and little special notes because we want more than ever to know for our clients and our guests to know that they are taken care of and that they are valued because mm. everybody is so isolated. I think it's very easy for them to feel taken for granted. I agree. I, and look, when I had my staff meeting uh, where we stood the staff down, I actually said to them, all the rules have changed, guys. The bets are off right now. And so what I need from you as a team is to remain engaged with your clients. I think in the 80s and 90s, there was this thing about like, oh, clients belong to the salon oh, and yeah. you yeah. can't communicate directly. And, and yeah. you know, and, and I'm not like going to throw any other salons or, or brands under a bus, sure. but they don't, want you, they don't want their staff to communicate directly with their clients. I'm like... The bets are off, guys. Communicate with your clients. Do whatever you need to do to keep those clients engaged to head over heels. That is your Absolutely. job in this time. It's Absolutely. DMs on Instagram, it's Facebook, it's whatever tools. And are you actually getting your staff to do any kind of Facebook lives or anything yet? Or do you feel like do you have plans for those things? Not yet, but I'm not opposed to the idea. I feel like it, there's just a lot of information and a lot of people are doing it right now. So I feel like it would have to be something very specific that would be a different touch point that mm. would set us apart. I yeah. agree. I feel like for me, it's so, I feel like everything just feels so overwhelming on Instagram right now with like, everyone's doing a tutorial and everyone and like, how do you cut through that chatter? Um, but I, I really have been focusing on the reopen portion of this yeah. um, and really um, putting it out there to the clients that 
I know a lot of them have probably lost their jobs. They're probably all in the same type of financial strain. You know, we need to look at our books of like, how can we help those people? Um, and, um, and one thing I wanted to do too is right now, instead of focusing so much on, on hair, I've been trying to refocus my attention in a more of a community way mm. of I'm doing a uh, fundraiser for the food bank in Austin. So central Texas food bank. Um, and I'm, asking, awesome. I'm asking my clients to contribute to that. Um, Cause they've all been asking, how can we help you? Can we prepay for our appointments? Can we do this? What do we need to do? And I wanted to reshift that because we're in a good spot. We're, we're good, but we need to help the people that, that are in need. And those are the ways that I feel like we could refocus and be using things like social media and these communication platforms to Mm. keep it targeted that way in our community. I think it's, yeah, we work with the Newtown Neighbourhood Centre, um, which is actually, uh, look, it's a collective. It, it, It does a lot of work in the homeless sector in Newtown. And of course, everyone's been told, although we're not in formal lockdown in Australia, we've been told to stay in our home. Um, I think it comes from our convict heritage. They're too scared to tell us something directly <laughs> yeah. because if they do, we actually don't do it. Um, yeah. But, of course, homeless people are having a real problem because, you know, I'll oh, take to your home. Well, my home is actually the street. So we've been yep. doing a, a bit of work with them. Um, Amy, how do you feel about all of that? Do you have anything to say? Um, I, I love the idea again, supporting the community. And, you know, I think both of you guys have just inspired me to contact the food bank. Like we've been making donations. I do it personally, but a lot of our charity work tends to be like doing hair. Yeah. Uh, This is like, there's like the Ronald McDonald house, which is really close to the children's hospital. And we go in and do stuff like that, but like how to shift it and reframe that right now to who actually really needs this help. Mm, it's true. And I think, Amy, you said to me in a previous conversation that our role as leaders will change because of this. And I mean, we're really touching on all of those points now in terms of how how it will change. Mm-hmm. Oh, I completely agree. Like, I mean, our, our role was to make people feel safe and inspire. And but being able to inspire like a new level of teamwork um, mm. Yeah, I don't know what this even looks like yet. I'm just anticipating just it just to be so much different when we get back to this. I, I agree, um, Natalie. Like, you know, I, I think that we have to plan for the reopen because I think we'd be really naive if we actually said, oh, well, we're just going to have the doors open. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you come. yeah. So, exactly. It's I mean, even, we have not even close. You know? uh, that's what I said. Like I said to like my partner, Alex, I feel like this COVID-19 is going to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and the end isn't going to be that bang, the bets are off. Everything goes back to normal. People are going to be really fearful of touch for a long time. Oh, yeah. I, I think I, almost a generation is going to have issues around touch. Oh, I, yeah. Completely. Completely agree. So what do you think, what does your reopening plan look like? And before you do, like, um, you know that we've done, we've created podcasts with Kate Reid, um, design director for Colour Me, and with Kevin Murphy himself. And Kate came up with a few really valid points of how perhaps he could structure the return to the salon. I'm actually in my salon calling it a soft opening and I'm taking Kate's points of like, okay, we'll have a grey regrowth day and then we'll have a day where perhaps clients that have a lot of balayage just need their roots done and blah, 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 but they come back the week after for the foils because I think that we're going to have to maximise safety Mm-hmm. minimise the amount of people in the salon. And if you guys think back to those, I, I had one of the biggest reasons I shut down, I'll get this idea out of my head in a moment, sorry. One of these, um, one, it was a Saturday at Head Over Heels and it was a normal Saturday and it was pumping. And whereas I used to be like, oh, love it, love the music, love the energy, love the, I, it actually scared me. And it made me realise And it was very early in in COVID. But, of course, we're in Australasia, so we were a bit more sensitive to it earlier. Um, Mm. It made me realise that my salon had become a beast that I couldn't control with social distancing, with the amount of people and with the way we had been doing it. And so I called a staff meeting that night 
And at this point, I wasn't necessarily anticipating closing. And I said, guys, what happened today can never happen again. That can never happen again. That made me feel unsafe. How did you all feel about it? And they were like, yes, yes. And I said, so let's just say all the rules don't apply anymore. We're going to throw the doors open seven days a week. You can come to work anytime you want, but there has to be this many people on for social distancing, you know. And and so I really, and, and this is our hygiene. We're already doing the hygiene stuff. Yeah. But, yep. you know, it's really hard to do the hygiene stuff when you've got three clients on the go in one yeah, salon. Yeah. And, and so I immediately changed it to each team member was to have one client, one client in, one client out. I didn't care what they were doing, but there was no more like put someone's roots on, do a haircut, then do this, then do that. There was no more Tetris with with appointments. And I think we will go back to that. What are your thoughts on that, Nat? Same. I mean, we were, I, I do a very limited amount of double booking and in, in mostly because we don't have support staff. So we don't have assistants and we don't have front desks. So mm. I really have to maximize my time behind the chair. And also my space is not large. It's only, it's a little under um, a thousand square feet. So it's not a, it's not a huge salon space. I have five chairs. But I think what I'll have to do now is to potentially remove one because I've got a line of four and then the fifth is off uh, on the other side of the room. So I, I may have to remove one of those chairs so that I can have that six foot span in between um, each of us. Um, all of us will single book our appointments. Um, but the same, I mean, the the way that that sanitation works is it's not spray it on and wipe it away. It needs to mm. sit for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, so 10 minutes in between clients. And the thing that really gets me in thought about all of this is that, you know, we've got to take the time to do the proper sanitation and we mm-hmm. need to wipe down our services. We need to give that 10 minute window. We need to re-sanitize combs or you know, at the beginning of the day, we may have to be coming in and pre-packaging things, you know, but there's, there's going to be a very an, good idea. There's mm-hmm. going to be an expense to all of this, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a new cost of service on top of what we already have been, not just our color and our developers, it's going to be, you know, looking into um, a different form of sanitation, cost of potentially masks, more gloves, you know, and what does the recyclables look on this, you know, with making Mm. more waste Mm -hmm. and you know, all these things. And these are things I think we need to kind of utilize this time. I touched out to Salon Service Group, who's our distributor of Kevin Murphy products in Texas, who's been a wonderful partner to us. And Mm. I asked my rep, I was like, have you guys, are you guys getting a source for masks, which are short in America? You know, are you guys looking to have, you know, And they're making hand sanitizer, aren't they? Oh yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. They've they've shifted to making a hand sanitizer. And, you know, so- they're, they're completely looking into the types of supplies that they're going to need to offer us to be able mm. to have these safe spaces. So, yeah, it's going to completely change just the way we do business. But real quickly, back to the software, you know, I, I have the... Um, Oh, what do you call it on the credit cards? The Apple, I've got Apple Pay options, but also with the, like <laughs> little, little dilly on the back of the credit card where you just zap it on the machine, you know, you don't have to touch anything. I have that option, but also just. Oh, that's to- because, like, no offense to you guys, but, you know, America credit card culture is like, they take your card, disappear with it, come back, and like it's in a folder and it's given to you like a present. I mean, we just tap everything away here in Australia oh, anyway. Yeah, we, we do contactless, and, and the government actually um, increased the limit so there's no pin. You don't even need to touch it up to $200 here. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but that's a very valid point. $200 to get you a pack of cigarettes in Australia. Not that any of us smoke anymore. I wouldn't know about that, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> and Amy, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that was a broad range of topics there. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as I love the, you know, you talk about the, the, the 
a soft reopening. I'm definitely planning on that. I'm having the discussion about, because I want less people in the salon. Again, what is this going to look like as far as our needs? But I've got a fairly small space. And maximizing profit too, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at like less time in chairs, maybe putting opening 12, 14 hours a day, running two shifts. So we've got actually less people in there going seven days a week, which... Most of the st- staff seem to be kind of on board with. Everybody's really eager to get back at it. But to, yeah, to how, jump how in there, gonna... to jump in there, and and Natalie, I mean that is something I only thought about yesterday when I was walking down the road, and and that was actually because I thought, well, if they do it in essential services like, or they do it anywhere that they have a team at the moment in Australia. So if they have a team that must go somewhere, they have team A and team B. And let's be clear, one of the reasons they actually do that, and I know your salon would be a bit too small for this, Nat, but, you know, for Amy and for other listeners that have bigger salons, is it is inevitable that coronavirus does come to our salon during the the startup, and that's why we're going to need to keep the hygiene and we're going to. But if you have it separated to two teams, then that team goes into isolation for a while or it's easier to to actually control. But I'll, I'll throw back to you, Amy. Oh, no, that was kind of the, the, the final thought I'm having on that. Just like what what solution? As far as time, when you talk about like the double, triple booking and having all mm. of those people in the space at one time, I actually quite like the idea of just being with a person. So you said single booking, mm. one person in, one person out, and just giving them that time and attention. What do like you think clients will think if you're running exactly. around the salon like a, a you know, a, 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 I was going to say blue-assed fly, but can yeah, I say exactly. that? <laughs> but what about if you... how they feel. They love it. They love it. They, yeah. love, they love my space because it is very relaxed and I think they're going to appreciate coming back to that because we just never had that environment to begin with. Mm. So it gave them more that relaxed, more attentive uh, service, you yeah. know, because we weren't shifting off, you know, to another client and, and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all very valid. And I think that our listeners will get a lot from, from, from hearing that. I mean, and I, for one, will never rebook appointments in the same way. This has changed me. It's changed my salon. It's changed my team. And I think it would be very naive of us to think that it hasn't changed client expectations, don't you yeah. think? I agree. Completely agree. Hmm. Okay. Well, Natalie, um, why are you constantly hearing Kenny Rogers the gambler in your head? Well, okay. So I have always claimed that my fiscal plan in life is to do abide by two things, and one is to live as frugally as my. Depression. I thought you were going to say know when to hold them, know when to fold. <laughs> oh, that is <laughs> getting to it. Abide by my two things, which is to live frugally, like my Depression era ancestors, my grandparents, and then always abide by the lyrics of Kenny Rogers, the gambler. <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. I mean, and, and I, I think- Well, you won't I'm, be counting your money anymore because we won't be dealing with money because that's the end of cash. Exactly. <laughs> so you'll be counting your Apple Pay slips perhaps. <laughs> oh it's it's true look um it's been it's been a great conversation with you two running such different salons and representative of of everyone and I think a, a lot of people will get a lot from thinking about that so just before we go and before we finish up um the thing that I'm going to do in my salon this week is I've got a team meeting Monday. So I'm going to mobilise my team on social media because I maintain that, you know, if we if we hold to this mindset that at the moment our salon is a virtual salon, that doesn't mean that because people can't get their hair done that we can't communicate with them. Um, if you've been doing hair as long as me, I've been doing some clients for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're in my life every, you know, four, six, eight weeks, and all of a sudden, I've disappeared. Well, it's my job to actually uh, communicate with them. And I know we've touched on this a little bit, but 
I put to my staff that I don't care if you're brushing your teeth or patting your dog or baking a cake. I want content for the salon social media because I want the clients to be able to see you in this time and, and see what you're actually doing. And the other thing I'm going to do is start planning for the soft reopening. I'm calling it a soft reopening at this stage. I haven't put a time on it, but do you have any thoughts on that, Amy? Because you've got quite a big team like me. Well, that's what I'm trying to navigate in this next little while and figure out, yeah, who comes back first. Mm. You know, you don't want to have those discussions with people, but it's just like, okay, who needs this the most or who's going to be the busiest or, yeah. Mm. So coming in, is it a third staff? Is it half staff? I'm not even certain yet. Mm. Mm. What do you think now? I like this soft reopening term Mm. um, because I've really been having a lot of conversations with myself about, you know, um, there in the beginning, I was like, wow, okay, I'm just, I'm going to have to work seven days a week. I'm going to have to pull some long hours. And and that can't happen. It can't. We're, we're too exposed still. We're not through this. My biggest fear is that, you know, because we haven't had testing, we don't have antibody testing, you know, it's just like, I'm, that idea of like, okay, we're going to get back to work. And then we actually do get sick and then we're right Mm. back being closed, you know? So I think we, uh, I think it's going to have to be a really strategic um, reopening. I like this term soft opening. And I think that we're just have to remind ourselves that we're human and that we can do what we can do within the amount of time, but we've really got to set real strong parameters for ourselves. Yes. Mm. Any any closing thoughts on that for you, Amy? Uh, no, I. When you said setting strong parameters around that, I think we have to. When we do these soft reopenings, that's going to be the new thing is to have it very clearly the the guidelines laid out for our clients like what is like the sanitization what's the expectation what is the timeline Mm. who is working Mm. so there isn't that kind of mad frenzy and just so you know i mean because you know we work for the man and the brand so we work for the brand kevin murphy but we're all quite attached to the man kevin murphy and and kevin and i have actually been uh in conversations about a package to help salons navigate this reopening in terms of sanitary and in terms of all of those things. Um, So we'll actually have those resources available for people. And obviously this podcast series will actually continue as we navigate. But I'd like to thank um, Natalie and Amy. So Natalie Morgan and Amy Lang for today, because It really was an unplanned chat between three salon owners. And I I think that I'd like to actually have you both back at some point and let's actually work out where we go from this point. So let's keep the communication going because I think that we can learn a lot from each other and that our listeners can actually learn a lot from us also. So Natalie, any closing thoughts from you? Be well, everybody. We're all in this together. Utilize this time to look for the opportunities and everything. Um, Today was a really hard day for me and I shed a lot of tears, but, you know, I'm feeling very strong and I'm feeling very motivated and I know that things are going to be all right. And I just feel so lucky to have friends like Nathan and Amy by my side to, you know, lift me up and I can help lift them up and we can all get through this together. So hang in there, guys. Great. And Amy, any closing thoughts from you? Oh, just be well, stay safe, listen, and yeah, just practice gratitude that I think Nathan, you and I were talking last night that we, you know, we're all safe. We will all be okay. And we can all navigate through this together. We'll see the other side. Yes. And care for others. That's great. So thank you. That was um, Natalie Morgan from Nova Hair Collective in Austin, Texas. And that was Amy Lang from Ponytails and Horseshoes in Edmonton. This is actually a Kevin Murphy podcast, Conversations with Kevin. And thank you for listening to us today. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.